This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. This is Fanatic About the Playoffs from the 76ers Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings and 97.5 The Fanatic, with new episodes premiering the day after every 76ers playoff game. This is the Fanatic About the Playoffs podcast, and on this episode we recap round two, game two, the 76ers fight back and even up the series with a 118-102 victory over the Atlanta Hawks. They get 40-13 and from the big fella, Joel Embiid. What is Fanatic About the Playoffs? It is our brand new postseason podcast series with us here at the 76ers and our pals over at 97.5 The Fanatic. New episodes drop the day after every Sixers playoff game. My name is Brian Seltzer. Excellent to be joined by the one and only 76ers team reporter extraordinaire, Lauren Rosen, and morning man extraordinaire, Jamie Lynch. You hear him on the John Kincaid Show 6 to 10 every weekday morning on The Fanatic. A jovial mood here on Fanatic about the playoffs. Following the first win for the 76ers in round two, great performance on Tuesday night at the center. We're going to let our guest, Lauren, roll the dice. Jamie Lynch, I think that if we were recording this within moments, an hour or so after the game on Tuesday night, I would say we'd have to start with Shake Milton. But with the <laughs> passage of time, do we need to start with the 40-point man, the big fella? Where do we begin? You can lead us yeah. off. Yeah, I mean, I think Shake is the secondary story. Um, he did save the game, I thought, because at halftime, having zero points from the bench – I, I was starting to get in a in a low place. I was like, oh, man, they, they really need some scoring from the bench bad. And kudos to Shake and Doc for for going back to that well. I think I heard Doc with, with you even after the first series uh, against Washington and said, you know, there's going to be a time when Shake Milton returns and pays dividends for this team. And kudos to the both of them for persevering and sticking with it. And he was a huge story last night. But – what Joel Embiid is doing right now, I mean, I saw something today that per 36, he's averaging the most points per game, minimum 150 minutes in NBA playoff history. Uh, and he's doing this with a bum knee. What this guy is doing right now is nothing short of incredible. And frankly, he's one of the best Philadelphia athletes I've ever seen. And Lauren, this isn't just simply dump it down, load a Joel Embiid and let him physically overpower someone. I mean, there is there is part of that, but this is... Start of the second half. Joel, run out in transition while you are on said right knee that is not 100%. Somehow have the body control to slash his way to the basket and lay it in. I mean, physically, the things that he's able to do right now, even with that injury, whether it's something on the run or getting the lift to knock down an elbow jumper, it's amazing. Well, it's something you and I talk about a lot, Seltz. When, when Joel comes back, he comes back. And unfortunately, we've had to see him do it a few too many times for my taste. But you do know that when he's struggling with an injury, that doesn't mean that he's not an MVP caliber player. And now we're seeing it in the playoffs. He's knocking off playoff career highs now sort of over and over again. It, it's been really good to see him as seemingly healthy as he is. Of course, your heart goes out to him if you know he's dealing with some pain and, and it probably feels that he could be better without it. Um, but yeah, just really, really hard heartening to see him come out that way, obviously understanding that we had to temper our expectations a little bit when it came to thinking about what we would see from Joel in this series, if we would see Joel in this series, and he's been great so far. There's a lot of different ways that you can lead. You can be a rah-rah, 
towel waver when everyone can see it. Dwight Howard. Or you can just do <laughs> I, I was gonna literally <laughs> point to the crowd. Hey man, get those frosties get today, people. <laughs> oh, that's right. Cash in. Dwight Howard, the frosty whisperer. And you know who else I said speaking of that, the guy on the bench last night, Ray John Tucker. Was, was pumped up when shake came out he had his special shake handshake going it, it's very cool to see the bench with this team be as involved and as happy and kind of joyous as they are it's a it's a total team effort it's been really cool i saw you tweet about that we have to respect ray john tucker that was that was a big role last <laughs> night you know somebody had to greet him with a secret handshake and ray john was the man last night I mean, it's 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 so interesting to look at this because, right, you have something like that where it's very tangible, visceral, you can see it, guys trying to promote good spirit. Or you could do what Joel is doing, and everyone inside that locker room knows what Joel is going through, and then he goes out there and he continues to do what he's been doing. Tobias Harris talked about that. They said it. You know, uh, he's doing a great job. I think that uh, he's, he's coming out and dominating, but... Once you step on that floor, there's no, there's no excuses, you know, and, and he understands that. This is the playoffs. You know, when you go out there and get 40, 13, and play the way you play, that's a huge effort for the player. Where he essentially said, if you're on the court, the expectation, if you're a player, if you're on the court, like all the stuff about, well, is he 100% or 75 like that's out the window. You're expected mm-hmm. to perform and deliver, and Joe's doing just that. Yeah, it makes everybody want to play harder. I mean, you know, if there's a loose ball, you go, oh, man, our MVP, our big man is is diving on the floor. He's playing with a bum knee. I, I got to ramp my game up. And I think he has that respect from his teammates, and it's it's a beautiful thing for the Sixers. Shake Milton, another big key, of course, in that game. X-Factor. Before Shake knocked down the go-ahead three, what was the concern level? Concern level with the game or with Shake? <laughs> I, I genuinely question. wasn't sure what you were Take asking. Your pick. <laughs> I mean, look, I haven't been super concerned about Shake. I've felt for him on a personal level because I think it's hard to be a key contributor all season long and then find yourself on the outside looking in in the playoffs. But you know that that he has the potential that he has. We've seen him in big moments. Unfortunately, he's sort of just been a victim of circumstance when you look at how good Tyrese Maxey has been, bringing George Hill into the team late, Furkan Korkmaz having some big nights, Matisse Thibel's defense. I mean, the bench, there's just so much competition there. And unfortunately, all season long, those every guy that I just mentioned, except perhaps George Hill, who wasn't on the team to start the year, spent some time out of the rotation this season. And unfortunately, right now, it's Shake's turn. But I didn't think that he had lost it or anything like that. And Doc Rivers has been talking about the fact that he would come back and he certainly did as for the game how concerned was I not super concerned because of how many times the Sixers had gotten out to big leads this season and then let up a little bit and then put their foot back on the gas I didn't love seeing them do it in a playoff situation when they came out as strong as they did my concern level was moderate but as soon as Shake started throwing up the the first three or the first four went in but then the heat checks started coming and some of those went in I was feeling great about everything, shake and the game by the time that shot happened. So does that answer both questions? <laughs> Very well. Yeah, thoroughly. I didn't I didn't have game concern overall, really. I just because Joel Embiid I knew was gonna be a constant for you. And I, I thought the way they were defending Trey last night. I never got shook there. Uh, but what Lauren said about Shake is right, you know, like it's been an up and down season for those bench guys. But let's not forget Shake is the fourth leading scorer on this team in the season. And more often than not, you got to go back to what got to got you to where you are. 
And Shake Milton is a crucial role on this team. And I think maybe a little confidence was shook in the final two months of the season. And last night could have brought it back. Uh, that's a huge spot for him to come in and pick his teammates up. He has to be feeling good. He was back on the court after the game, getting up more shots. Uh, I personally love Shake, but like I went through the remaining playoff teams today and I just looked at their fourth leading scores. If you take away Mike Conley from the Jazz, they're, they're in trouble. If you take away any fourth leading score from these teams, they're probably in trouble. It's a big role. So if he can get some kind of resurgence here and the confidence brewing after last night, it's a tremendous thing for the Sixers. Take away Jordan Clarkson from the Utah sure. Jazz. You saw how he swung that game around late yeah. in the opener against the LA Clippers. Um, I didn't have game concern in game two and the Sixers fell behind by one. I actually had a little bit more, not real serious concern, but I said to myself, if the Sixers could blitz them like they did with the home crowd to start the game on Tuesday night, and then Atlanta is able to come back in and make this a fight to the end, um, I didn't really ever think the Sixers, like, it wasn't serious concern, like I think the Sixers are going to lose the series. But the Hawks ain't going quietly, at least not yet. That much we know. And then it was just really nice and reassuring to see someone come in and give the Sixers a shot in the arm. And for Shake. I wasn't sure. Um, I think long-term, I didn't really have any doubts about Shake. But when you get caught up in this cycle and perhaps this hamster wheel of it being the postseason and I'm expected sure. to deliver, and if I were just at my best, I know what I could give this team. Who knows? Guys can't always find it. And I think that Tuesday night was a really, really good start for Shake because they need someone like him. I don't even know if they necessarily need him every single night to expect that, but they need someone who can swing the tone of a game. And who knows, in the end, that could have swung the tone of the entire series. Absolutely. You know, heading back to Atlanta, I think they've won 13 in a row at home. Um, you know, they have a they have a home court advantage. They're one of the better teams in the NBA at home. But I, I really think, and I'm not trying to over-dramatize what he did last night, but there was serious doubts going into halftime. And Doc talked about it after the game. You know, I challenged the, the bench guys to step up here. I think Shake seized a little bit of momentum back last night because if that team started, you know, if all the starters are going, Oh man, I got to play 42 a night now. Like we don't have a bench to go to. Maybe he quelled some of those concerns. And I think if the bench can at least, you know, hang and just split and call it a wash because Atlanta does have a good bench. Then I think the series is over. I, I you know, I don't want to make too much of it, but I think shake is that important to the Sixers. And I think Shake's confidence is really important to the Sixers. Like, I love the idea that they're going to get on a plane tomorrow and Shake's going to kind of be the big guy on the plane. Like, he's the <laughs> guy that came in and he hasn't been able to be that guy over the last few weeks. And there's a ton of pressure. And it's been so nice, like you said, to see these guys celebrate one another, especially to see them celebrate Shake after what was a really, really tough stretch for him. So I'm just excited about what it means for, for the team's camaraderie, for the bench unit's confidence together to understand that when Shake's out there with them, they can do perhaps more damage than they were able to do in the first half of last night's game. I was doing a little soul searching when we were talking about why I was trying to figure out why I was concerned um, game wise, because I guess you two weren't as concerned as I was to me. And I don't mean to do a, a sharp topic change Celts. I don't want to, Oh, please. Of your, of your ship. But what take, I take think, the 90 degrees. Yeah. So what I was worried about, and I, I hope this is a topic that we were going to get to next anyway, I was worried that Trey Young was going to explode in the second half. I was worried that we were waiting. He was like sort of a ticking time bomb. I was waiting to see maybe some struggles from that defensive group, but we didn't really see that. And I think that 
as Trey continued to, to be stifled a little bit, my confidence rose for the entire series. I think Ben Simmons, Matisse Thibel last night did such a good job together, despite a lot of like tough calls, let's say. They did a really good job. They made him work. They slowed him down. Um, and I think I was concerned in that second quarter that we were just waiting for Trey Young to have his moment. And he didn't really. Yeah, I think that's a huge credit to Dan Burke and Doc. You know, they made the switch in, at game one. Um, uh, you know, Bob Cooney, who I work with, had talked about it for two days leading up to this game. They got to jump out on the, on the pick and rolls that are that are up high and make him decide, is he passing or is he going to the rim? And I thought they did a great job of that last night. So kudos to the coaching staff for, for making that change. And a guy like Dan Burke, he knows Nate McMillan as good as anybody. He was an assistant under him for a long time. So you have to tap into those resources. And as the defensive coordinator, I, I thought they did a brilliant job last night. Just look at the first half output. It was 72 in game one for the Hawks. And I think 48 question mark last night for the Hawks. So that's a, that's a tremendous difference. I want to circle back to Trey Young and also Shake Milton. Don't want to get off that topic just quite yet in a moment. But first, we got to keep you in the loop about DraftKings Sportsbook. They are the official betting partner of your 76ers. They're going to have free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in cash prizes. That sounds outstanding. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code SIXERS when you sign up to get your free shot at up to 10000 bucks in cash prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Outstanding. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That promo code, once again, SIXERS. Easy to remember, easy to do, an easy way to try and win $10,000 in very nice cash. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook you got to be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Where do we leave it? Brought up Trey Young. More on him in a moment. Just a few more on Shake Milton. Two quick things to follow up on. One, going back to Joel and leadership. Talk about an amazing game for him to be mic'd up for. We don't always see Joel mic'd up. Yeah. And that moment where he came back and he brought Shake and Dwight into the huddle after the big timeout, um, that was excellent and uh, and awesome to see. Um, and I think the other thing with Shake is like, you know, these guys, you just you don't know when that, that necessary presence is going to emerge. I, I always, like I use this example because I heard Brett Brown talk about it. When Steve Kerr came in against the Mavericks, uh, when the Spurs were going up against the Mavs in the playoffs, I think it was maybe 2003, and Kerr hadn't done anything, and then there he is, and you know, shoots the you-know-what out of it, and the entire series changes. Um, so yeah, maybe that even rubs off on some other guys too. Sure, and look, you don't need to dominate a box score to be that guy. Like Shake, at the end of the day, I believe it was just 14 points. But those 14 points right. <laughs> were huge for that moment and that game, and it and it kind of got momentum back on the Sixers' side. It got the building into it, and, you know, it can be, you know, much like Ben Simmons sometimes. Like, he kind of had a huge impact on the game last night, but if you look at his box score, it's like, all right, only three field goal attempts, you know, less than ideal. Sometimes it doesn't take a box score reading to have a huge impact on a game, and Shake, Shake got momentum back on the Sixers' side last night. I was listening, Jay, to the John Kincaid Morning Show. Oh, 
on it's a good show morning. I hear. You should check it out. A great show. <laughs> Fantastic show. And I heard the big fella, Shaq, on. So cool, first of all, that you guys have him as a regular participant on the show. He's Amazing. a lot of fun. He is... I'm trying to think. He's just like, he's dry, but he's also affable yeah. somehow yeah, yeah, yeah. at the same time. <laughs> it's funny, you know, he, uh, he pregame was getting some heat on Sixers Twitter. Oh, again, Shaq with the Embiid has to play down low thing. So I kind of asked him about it. And before I could even say the word criticism of Joel Embiid, he said, it's not criticism. I, I want Clinton Capella out of the game. And Bob Cooney, after we ended the interview, was like, that's funny. Clint Capella was a minus 25. I don't want him out of the game. I want him on the floor. <laughs> and to, to his point, yeah, like he doesn't stand a chance against Joe. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't need him off the floor. I kind of want him on the floor. There's definitely that big brother type expectation that Shaq has for Joel. Yeah, and Shaq did say, he said, look, Joel's a much more talented player than I ever was. And I do think it's the big brother Come on, buddy. You can be one of the all-time greats. I don't think it's hate. Is he jealous of his perimeter game and his free throw shooting? I'm sure he is because <laughs> it's it's special what Joel Embiid is. But I do think it's a, dude, you can be one of the all-timers if you do this, 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 and this. And Joel, if he stays healthy, will be one of the all-timers. There's no doubt about it. Lauren, so I'm going to bring this up. I'll have you react to it because it's what Shaq theorized on the show with Jamie on Wednesday, and then, Jay, you can respond to it. Shaq was wondering if perhaps part of Trey Young's performance, to go back to that, had to do with the fact that perhaps, younger player, the Hawks had already gotten a game in South Philadelphia, and maybe, just maybe, the mental edge was not quite as sharp as what it needed to be in Game 2, and that Shaq is expecting a bounce back from Trey in Game 3. What say you, Lauren Rosen, to that hypothesis could certainly be I don't know Trey Young personally and I haven't watched him enough to feel confident to like speak about his psyche or anything but I guess if you do look back at his playoff experience thus far he hasn't really been shaken he's overperformed in these playoffs he spoke really confidently about what he's wanted to do and then he's done all of it um, and I do wonder if maybe you come into game two thinking I just I just sort of sprinted through this series against the Knicks that was supposed to be this seven game set that that didn't end up being nearly as contentious as people thought it would be. I've been told that I'm too young to win and here I am beating the one seed in game one on their home floor. I could see how that could be the case psychologically. I don't want to take a stance again because I do not know him, but I wonder then if na like how that the fact that his confidence has to be a, at least a little bit rattled or shifted or um, taken down a notch based on what happened in Tuesday's game. I do wonder if, if, if it sticks with him or if he, like the greats that came before him, are able to use it as motivation for a bounce back game three. I think maybe a little bit of both. Um, but I also think on the flip side, the confidence that the Sixers gained in being able to slow him down the way they did in game two is something they can certainly take on the road with them for games three and four. Um, so yeah, psychologically, I don't know about Trey, but I do know that there will be uh, some interesting things for both sides to react to based on what happened Tuesday. Yeah, I think that's fair uh, without knowing Trey. Look, the NBA playoffs, it's proven over time for the history of the league. It's a grown man league, and it takes veterans to basically carry teams and win. Uh, there's a reason, you know, Joel's in his fifth year now, Trey's still very early in the process. There's no doubt he's a gamer, but I, d I did raise the same point yesterday morning before the game. 
And I said, look, you know, Atlanta accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. And that was taking back home court advantage. They're still a very young team. Like a guy like Lou Williams is a vet, but he's minimal role. Gallinari's a vet, but, you know, they're bench players. Their starting five is, for the most part, very young. I did wonder if they were going to kind of keep that foot on the pedal and and realize that we can basically steal the entire series if we take two on the road. Um, so I think those are learning curves that young teams and young superstars type players need to basically put notches in the belt. So I don't think it's fair to wonder about that. I also think it's fair to say the Sixers had a great game plan for him. Um, I think he only had 16 shot attempts, which I think speaks to how frustrating they made his night. Six for 16, one for seven from deep. I honestly feel that maybe you learned more about what the Sixers can do against him than you learned about. If you look at both games together. I'm willing to take game one for Trey and game two for the Sixers. I think you learn more about what the Sixers can do to stop him than we learned about what Trey can do to get around them because they 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 did crack the code. So assuming, and you don't want to assume anything, but if, if we've learned anything about Ben Simmons, it's that he can bring that energy, that same energy throughout this series. We know that there might be some disrespect based on what you said, the box score today. Ben's not going to like that. It's going to juice him up. I thought he was excellent defensively. I think he's going to continue to do that. And, and so unless Trey Young can figure out how to physically overpower Ben Simmons, they're going to have a really, really hard time. Yeah, and, and one of the concerns with Ben in the first game and why I don't think Doc started him on Trey is because Trey's shifty and quick and all of that, and Ben has been picking up some ticky-tack 42-feet-out fouls that in the regular season probably weren't called, and I don't think they really should be called in the playoffs, but that's a different story. So I think – Ben played such a intelligent style of defense last night to keep himself out of the foul trouble that I think Doc feared that he probably calmed some fears going forward now in the remaining games that, all right, he can play a foul free style of defense on Trey and it can be effective. So I think that was a huge, huge thing that the Sixers learned last night. What did Doc say afterwards? He was on board with how Ben was officiated in the game. Yeah. And, and that was no mistake after game one that Doc made those comments. You know, he, he's been through these battles before. He knows, you know, let's let's draw some attention to uh, what I think are some cheap ticky tack non playoff fouls. And, you know, it, I can't say it hurt him. Speaking of Doc Rivers, there was a lot of why did you or couldn't you have earlier talk surrounding Doc after game one? What about Doc in game two? I think that for the Sixers, to me it was clear after the second half in the game on Sunday, if the Sixers, and this isn't anyone going out on a limb, tighten up their execution and just harness their defense, talent could win out over time if they did that for a full game, 48 minutes. And I think that the different things that the Sixers had issues with uh, in game one, whether it was Trey Young, whether it was nine turnovers in the first quarter and, and 12 of them in the first 14 minutes, That was taken care of in Game 2, and you saw what the 76ers could be when they were a much sharper version of themselves. I thought that Doc had a really good game, of course, with the uh, perhaps decision to go to shake when he did being the the most telling move that he made. Yeah, look, as Sixers fans, we got uh, accustomed to Brett Brown, and I I think Brett gets overly criticized as a head coach here, but the one problem I did have with Brett is – a lot of his decision-making came at a very glacial moving pace. It took him a while to get to something that needed a changing or a fixing. And last night, I saw the opposite from Doc. I saw him see Furkan 
you know, trying to create off the dribble for a three-pointer at the top of the key and airballing. That's not Furkan's game, and he didn't have it last night. So I think Doc made a quick decision, like, all right, uh, that's not it. And, you know, challenging the bench at the halftime, I think he he pushed all the right buttons last night, and it was huge for him. I think if you listen to this program, you know where my loyalties lie, and I am always going to sort of err on the side of Doc Rivers, err on the side of Ben Simmons. I think it's really, really easy, though, to be an armchair head coach. I talked about this with a couple staffers last night as well. Like, it's really easy to just think that you know what should get done. And, and I like what you said, Seltz. I think the turnovers were probably the biggest thing of all, and, and that's really on the team. Like, they needed to figure that one out. And then credit, of course, to Doc for also making some schematic adjustments, making that defensive adjustment on Trey Young, making the bench lineup adjustment, adding Shake Milton to the equation. I mean, I think last night, Doc and the team fixed any problems you might have had with them from game one. And, and there were still places, though, that they could improve. And I think my main takeaway, and this isn't necessarily related to Doc or related to, to any one specific, but I felt there were a lot of players and situations that the Sixers could have been a lot better in last night. And they still won by 16. They still put the game away pretty handily. And there's a lot of room for improvement there. So I love the improvement between game one and game two. And I think that there's more to be done. And I think it's a really good sign that players coach alike were able to make the improvements that they did this early in the series. Absolutely. I mean, they've got the best player on the court, the Sixers do. As good as Trey Young is, we can't forget he's been a negative in both games. And that's not saying he's had bad games. He's had good games. But the Sixers have the best player in this series. And it's not even close, in my opinion. And he's showing you why. And yeah, it's uh, it's very encouraging to see them improve so much from the first half of game one to where they were last night. Um, and kudos to Doc and the coaching staff. You know, look, Doc has a great assistance uh, staff around him. Uh, these guys are all veterans. They all have, you know, Sam Cassell, even he's played. He's been in the league for 30 years already. Um, so, you know, kudos to the coaching staff. Great job by them last night. Crazy to think that aside from Sam, Doc didn't work with any of them really. There's one other assistant, one or two. Mm -hmm. But uh, his top guys on the bench, aside from Sam, he hadn't worked with, uh, actually might have coached against um, yeah. before uh, before this season. Um, I was really eager going into game two to see where George Hill might be able to leave a fingerprint on a game here or there. And I know it wasn't a really extended period of time, but steal that led to the finger roll layup that he scored on and then a block right after that kind of pushed the the lead from the low double figures into the mid-teens he set up shake milton for a three that made it i think it was a 19 point game really like george hill in that stretch kind of in the opening stages of the fourth quarter when the sixers took the game by the reins yeah another one where if you look at the box score you're going oh where was george hill last night and it's like, okay, yeah, but team defense-wise, like you just said, he was huge in that second half. He he helped stop some runs. He's he's a vet that's been through the wars, and that type of experience come playoff time is invaluable. So I thought it was a very good game from George Hill last night. I wanted to see a little uptick in scoring from him, but I, you know, he's still new here. He's still kind of finding his role and his rhythm, and I don't know if that's an easy thing to ask for, you know, 12 to 15 points a night from him, but he impacted the game in another way last night, and that was on defense. 
I like that we started with Joel and Shake because I think, at least for me, when I watched the playoffs over the last few years, I'm super into the like quiet contributors. And I think that Danny Green has been one of those throughout his whole career. He's a quiet contributor, regardless of what his stat line looks like. You watch him on the bench with his teammates. Um, George Hill, I think, is another one of those. Like the quiet contributions, they were they were everywhere last night. Ben Simmons, maybe even, was a quiet contributor. Um, I, I like watching how the little pieces all come together to create like another big thing, right? Because we had Joel and Shake as, as big stories, but that's not enough to win the game. And there really were contributions across the roster. We haven't even talked about Seth Curry yet. I wouldn't put him in my quiet contributor category. Um, but I've, I've loved watching different guys have smaller moments that end up really, really impacting the game. And I think that those were everywhere last night. Yeah, I mean, Seth, Seth's been incredible. And let's not forget, Tobias had 16 points in the first quarter or whatever it was. I mean, he was he was in fuego to start that game. And, and that set a great tone for the team. You know, he only ended, I think, with 22. But those 16 in the beginning kind of set the tone of, you're in our house. And that was huge for the team. Seth is uh, averaging just under 17 and a half points in the playoffs, and he's shooting over 45% from three. Incredible. Three straight games with at least 20. He, of course, had the 30-point game. He's been off the charts. As we think about adjustments and changes for game three, the onus, you would have to say Atlanta more, I think, based on what the Sixers show. I think the Sixers have shown if they are themselves – they will be able to to persevere and get through this. Um, but really, it's like, okay, Joel Embiid has scored 79 points in the first two games. Can he be stopped? The adjustment. If you're Nate McMillan, I don't know if you got the horses to stop. I don't know if anyone's got the horses to stop him. So there's that. But you brought up Jay Tobias. And the way he started that game last night, 12 of the first 16, I think he was another person who, as the game went along, Obviously, the Sixers did not need his scoring punch as much as they got in the first six minutes or so, but uh, he has shown at times that Atlanta, they have not been able to to really slow him down um, when he's gotten going. Yeah, and I think they're defending him about as good as they can, Uh, but, you know, Tobias, he's been great this year, and there was, you know, the Mickey Mouse bubble last year. I didn't think he was playing his best basketball kind of faded away and he's critical to this team and he's been answering that all year long and and he got the game started on the right foot and then Joel and Shake took it from there uh, but like you said he contributed in more ways than just scoring last night and worth noting that when you start as strong as Tobias did now you have to account for him pretty heavily for the rest of the game right so even if 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 Shake and Joel are making bigger impacts down the stretch it's not like you're comfortable leaving Tobias Harris open at any point for the rest of the series um so yeah really really impressed by by what Tobias has been able to do in this playoffs he's wanted to be a bigger playoff presence and so far so good if that's one of your goals all right guys i think it's time i think it's time that everyone breaks and goes and gets their Frosties. <laughs> Gotta, Gotta cash in. <laughs> I, I love how much Dwight Howard loves the fans getting free Frosties. And he actually gets them himself, so I think he just enjoys a free Frosty as well. He's just like us. He's a frugal man. <laughs> I'll trade bank accounts with him any day if he wants. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he right. wants to learn what frugal is. <laughs> His star turn has been amazing. Yeah, he's he's fed into the fan base and they're eating it up. I mean, he's been a joyous player this year for this team. He's fun to watch even when he's not in the game. He He's fun when he's in the game. He's bouncy for a guy that's been in the league, what, 17 years or 16 years? 
I mean, he has, and this is a tough series for him, you know, with, with Collins and Capella and some of these guys, uh, you know, it's, it's a younger core he's going against. And, and he was pretty big last night. You know, that oop uh, was nice. Three key offensive rebounds down the stretch. He played a nice role last night. This is something that's probably off the beaten path for the stuff that you guys and I usually discuss on this type of program. But one of the things I love most just as a human being is watching other human beings enjoy their life and succeed and like be <laughs> happy. And I, and I really do think that sometimes we forget that like this is a game and, and we love to play this game. We love to watch this game. It's fun. And Dwight Howard all season long in a year that's been so lacking in fun and happiness and smiling, he's brought that every single day. And it's just a delight. Like I have fun at these games. I do not have nearly as much fun as Dwight Howard is having. And I love watching him experience this stuff with such an open heart and good vibes. It's been, it's been really, really cool to watch. It makes watching other people get happy makes me happy. And that's what the Dwight, the Dwight Howard experience has been all about for me this season. Anyway, that's all I, that's all I got. No, you're right. (laughs) I mean, he's, he's, he's brought energy and fun to that bench unit and you know, the fans love it. I mean, we're, we're cheap. We can be bought with free Frosties, and, and, he, and he knows that, and he's, uh, he's playing right into it. It's a, it's a cool thing to watch. Jamie Lynch, Lauren Rosen, thank you guys. I feel like we will do it again at some point in the days and weeks ahead. Hopefully it's a long road still ahead of us there, B-Celts. And uh, anytime, thanks for having me on, and go Sixers. I agree. Hope, hopefully we've got time, plenty of time. I would like to be doing this into July with you guys. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, indeed. A long road is what we are looking for. Jamie Lynch, you can hear weekday mornings, 6 to 10, 97.5 The Fanatic, the flagship of the 76ers on the John Kincaid Show. Lauren Rosen, you can see and hear her everywhere on our Sixers social media and digital platforms. Before we wrap this up, apologies. I need to come clean and apologize. I was negligent in my voicemail maintenance duties. Yes, we... Always love to hear from you via the pod line. But I did not realize until some really great, awesome fans notified me on Twitter on Wednesday morning that the pod line was full. It was no longer accepting voicemails. And we were ready, eager, after that big Game 2 win, to give away some 76er swag. So apologies for that. By now, hopefully, the pod line should be cleared out. So if you're one of those people who tried to call in and win gear... Do so now, 215-403-7637. Let us know what you're thinking after the big Game 2 win, Shake's reemergence, Joe's Herculean effort on a not-so-great right knee. Just amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, So again, thank you for bearing with us through that. Next episode of Fanatic About the Playoffs drops on Saturday after Game 3 when the series shifts to Atlanta. And, of course, a reminder that if you want your Sixers news and updates in five minutes every day, give us a follow, search 76ers Scoop, and look for The Scoop from the 76ers Podcast Network wherever you get your pods. You've been listening to Fanatic About the Playoffs from the 76ers Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings and 97.5 The Fanatic. Look for new episodes the day after every 76ers playoff game. And follow the 76ers Podcast Network by searching 76ers Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're still out there listening, I'd love to talk to you about convenience. 
Everybody loves convenience, right? Everybody wants convenience. Everybody craves more convenience. Well, what if I told you you could stock up for game day and get Corona delivered straight to your door? What? For real? Why, yes. Go to orderCorona.com. OrderCorona.com. With a refreshing, smooth taste, Corona is cerveza that is ready to play ball. Enjoy Sixers games and live la vida mas fina with an ice cold Corona Extra, Corona Light, or Corona Premier. On game day, get Corona delivered straight to your door at OrderCorona.com. Corona is an official partner of the 76ers. You've got to be 21 or older. Please enjoy responsibly and do it for ease. For convenience, order corona.com. 